Thank you so much for joining us for today's podcast. We'll get started in just a moment. If this is your first time here, please consider subscribing so that you may stay up to date with the latest podcast. And if our podcast brings value to your life, please consider sharing it with family and friends. Thanks for listening. And now here's today's podcast. Thanks for joining us for the Covenant Living Broadcast with Pastor John Butler of Covenant Life Church, located at 130 Atlantic Avenue in Bremen, Georgia. All right, y'all, you ready to get into the Word? Good. Genesis, grab your Bibles, turn with me to Genesis chapter 14. Genesis 14. Genesis 14. We're going to start verse 17, go through verse 24. New Living Translation is what I'm reading from today. And it says after Abram, I'm going to just say Abraham. I don't want, I, I, I don't want to confuse you about who we're talking about. So after Abraham returned from his victory uh, over his enemy and all his allies, the king of Sodom went out to meet him in the valley of Shava, that is the king's valley. And Melchizedek the king of Salem and a priest of God most high brought Abram, uh, Abraham some bread and wine. Melchizedek said, uh, blessed Abraham with this blessing. Blessed be Abraham by God most high, creator of heaven and earth. And blessed be God most high who has defeated your enemies for you. Then Abraham gave Melchizedek a tenth of all the goods he had recovered. The king of Sodom uh, said to Abraham, give, give back my people who were captured, but you may keep for yourself all the goods that you've recovered. Uh, Abraham said to the king of Sodom, I solemnly swear to the Lord God most high, creator of heaven and earth, I'm not taking so much as a single thread or a sandal thong from what belongs to you. Otherwise, you might say, I'm the one who made Abraham rich. I'm only going to accept what my young warriors have already eaten. Y'all ever said the blessing after you already? Never mind. Um, And I request that you give a fair share of the goods to my allies, uh, those three guys who went with him. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for a chance to spend some time uh, hearing and understanding your word. And I pray that most of all, that we would uh, do what it is that we hear today, that we're not just hearers of your word, but we're doers. We thank you, Lord, for your sacrifice. We thank you for, uh, for your grace and your mercy. We pray that we experience all of that today in its fullness. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, we started a series uh, the last Sunday of July, uh, and we're still here. So welcome to the Triple P series the Thanksgiving edition, all right? The, the uh, Patriarchs, Prophets, and Priests series. Now, I'm not planning to be, uh, to be really long today, but I am looking forward to taking some communion with you here in just, uh, in just a few minutes. But I do want to share some thoughts on the passage that we just read. It's a really interesting passage because it involves all three of the P's. Abraham is not just a patriarch, he's like the patriarch, okay? Abraham's the man. He's also identified in scripture as a prophet. So he is a patriarch and a prophet. Melchizedek is identified as a priest. So there's all three of them, the patriarchs, prophets, and priests 
altogether. So if you've wondered during the course of this series what it would be like if all three of those got together at one time, this is your day. Now, it's, it, when they got together, it's much like what should happen when any two believers get together, two or more believers get together. There's no jockeying for position about who's the greatest or who's the most powerful. There's no boasting or bragging about titles or accomplishments. There's a lot of humility. There's a lot of praise for God. There's, a lot, there's remembering the sacrifice of Christ. And there's gratitude for his many blessings on them. I think there's a couple of connections that we can make today that are not only pertinent for Thanksgiving, but I think are important for us to know and to apply all year round. All right, so let me set the stage for you. Abraham is living in what is then known as the land of Canaan. Now, this is not one nation. It's really a, it's a bunch of small kingdoms that are scattered throughout the land. And from time to time, these kings gather their armies and they fight each other over some wrong, either a perceived wrong or an actual wrong. Now, for one reason or the other, at this time in history, the, there were nine of these kings who got together, Canaanite kings, and they formed alliances. There were four on one side, there were five on the other side, and they went to war against each other. Now, Abraham had a nephew, and we talked about him earlier in this series. His name was Lot. And Lot and his family and his entire village got caught sort of in the crossfire and they got captured as prisoners of war and they were taken captive by one of the armies. So Abraham heard about this. He gathered 318 of his servants who had been trained in combat and he went after them. And Abraham and these 318 guys defeated the armies of four kings who were allied together and freed the villagers and he captured the spoils of their victory. All right? On the way home, Abraham uh, meets Melchizedek. Now, he is identified as both a priest and a king, which is very unusual. And he is one of the most intriguing and mysterious people in all of Scripture. Some people think that this was a, uh, this was a pre-incarnation of Jesus that before he was born in a manger, that he, had, he appeared as the king uh, of Salem, Melchizedek. No matter what you believe, he is a, this is a definitely an intriguing and mysterious uh, and honorable person. So he's the priest, uh, the king of Salem, and the priest of the Most High God. Now, if you've been following this series, you know that this was a revelation. This is the first mention of God by this name, El Elyon, which is the Most High God. Now, the Bible says when these two met, Melchizedek gave Abraham bread and wine. Now, it's not offered as a meal. Abraham, his men had already eaten. Obviously, there, were, there was already food and drink in the spoils of war that he had recovered. If Abraham had been hungry, he would have already eaten. Clearly, this is not a meal. This is a, this is a symbolic offering of friendship and of covenant. Now, uh, Melchizedek, after that, blessed Abraham using the new revelation of this name of God. And he praised God for delivering Abraham's enemies into his hand. After that, Abraham gave him a tenth, a tithe of all the stuff he had just acquired in his military conquest. And that's it. That's the last appearance of Melchizedek, the first and the last appearance of Melchizedek in all of Scripture. The meeting of the triple P's is over. Now, Let's, John, I don't know what has, any of that has to do with Thanksgiving. Well, let's try to figure that out. Here's the, here's the first thing. 
Gratitude must have a focus. Gratitude must have a focus. Now, from time to time, I'll watch some of these award shows, and and you've heard all these uh, kinds of speeches, right? It's just really been a blessing to have worked with such an amazing cast. I mean, to be able to work with a producer of this caliber was just truly a blessing. You've heard people say stuff like that. Y'all have watched TV. Y'all live in the real world, right? Y'all have seen this? All right. Or the post-game interview with, and in, with the MVP. Uh, I'm just grateful to be able to play this game at such a high level for so long and to be surrounded by a bunch of guys who love this game as much as I do. It's just really a blessing, right? We throw those words around all the time. I'm just grateful. It's just a blessing. I just so appreciate all that stuff. Gratitude is a recognition that there's something in your life that's neither there by accident nor the result of your own efforts. Did y'all get that? Gratitude means you realize you've got something you didn't earn. You aren't trying to take credit for it because you know it didn't come from you. But listen, no matter how grateful you might be, there has to be a focus for your gratitude. You can't just be grateful for a blessing without being grateful to the one who provided the blessing. If you received a blessing, there has to be a blesser, right? Again, I may have invented a word, but there you go. been using the language for a long time. It's now time to start creating words. If there's a blessing, there has to be a blesser. Melchizedek put the focus on the object of their gratitude, God most high. He and Abraham both knew that it was the favor of God that allowed him to defeat the enemy, uh, all the armies, to rescue his nephew, rescue all the village people. If you want to know who invented disco, who rescued disco, it was Abraham. He's the one that saved the village people. You're welcome. They, they both, those of you who are under 50, like, what? They both knew that this was a blessing, and they both knew who provided the blessing. The blessing had a blesser, and his name was El Elyon, the Most High God. Now listen, this time of year, there are a lot of people who are going to ask you what you're grateful for. And it might be that before you start, some people have this tradition before you eat dinner, you go around the table and tell what you're grateful for. Uh, However you do it, people are going to encourage you to count your blessings. And that's great. There's absolutely nothing wrong with any of that. As a matter of fact, you should do that. But when you tell them what you're grateful for, don't forget to tell them to whom you are grateful It's a really simple shift, but it's powerful. So instead of, oh, I'm grateful for my family, you can say, God has blessed me with a wonderful family, and I'm just so grateful. Instead of saying, I'm blessed with a great job and wonderful coworkers, you can say, I thank God for a great job and wonderful coworkers. You you see the difference? It's it's not huge. You're, You're not preaching to them. But people around you will notice. Gratitude has to have a focus if it's going to be effective. Leadership guru, pastor, and he was a former pastor as well, John Maxwell. uh, He says, if you see a turtle on a fence post, there's one thing you know for sure. 
He didn't get there by himself. Y'all seen turtles? Anyway, all right. Sometimes I step onto this platform and I feel like that turtle. Like I get a chance to look out over the lush green pastures that are this incredible church. And you fantastic people. And the call of God that I'm humbled to, to try to fulfill every day. And I realize that I didn't get here by human efforts. Least of all my own. Right? There is no doubt in my mind that I am blessed. But I'm not just blessed. I am blessed by God most high himself. So he is the focus of my gratitude during this season and every season. When we come to church and, and we worship, we're not just worshiping because we're grateful. We're worshiping someone who provided all of those blessings for which we're grateful, right? And, and I bet if you look around from wherever you are today, you'll realize that God has blessed you too. As a matter of fact, if you look at what the Word says about it in another place, let's look at James 1 and 17. He said, whatever's good and, uh, and perfect is a gift coming down to us from God, our Father, who created all the lights in the heavens. He never changes, never casts a shifting shadow. We're not just blessed today. We're blessed by God. Be sure that he's the focus of all your gratitude today and during this season. Now, here's the other thing about gratitude that I'd like to point out from this passage, and it's this. Gratitude not only has to have a focus, but gratitude must have an outlet. Gratitude has to have an outlet. We're, you hear lots of, things, lots of things in this season about having an attitude of gratitude, right? And again, that's a good thing. There is nothing in the world wrong with having an attitude of gratitude. It's really important, but having an attitude of gratitude is not enough. It has to manifest itself into thanksgiving. Let me put it, let me put it this way. Gratitude's an attitude, but thanks have to be given. Gratitude's an attitude, but thanks have to be given. If gratitude is what you feel, then giving is what you do in response to what you feel. It's not explicitly stated, but it's clear that Abraham was grateful to God for delivering his enemies into his hand and bringing Lot back to him unharmed. That's what he and Melchizedek were praising God for. He had, an, he, he had an attitude of gratitude towards God for this blessing. A grateful heart is always the source of genuine praise. Right? If you're like, I've, I've got a hard time, I just don't like praise and worship. I just don't like all this. Well, you need to check your heart. You need to see if you're actually grateful for the things that God's done for you. I don't know a single person who is grateful to God who is not also a worshiper. And if you have a hard time worshiping, then you might just have a pride problem. Because there is no such thing as a self-made man or a self-made woman. You had some help along the way a whole lot more than apparently you think you had. 
right? At some point, you get punched in the mouth enough in this life, and you realize you not only need some help, but you've had some help all along. And that's why so, so many people who've been through so much in their lives have the opportunity, or, or they, they, are, they take every opportunity to say thank you to the Lord for his goodness. Uh, a heart of gratitude is always the genesis of pure praise. And that's what Abraham and Melchizedek did. A, a grateful heart is where praise comes from. There, there's an old song that was written in 1990 that I'm sure the thousands of churches are singing this morning. Give thanks with a grateful heart, right? Don Moen wrote the song. Give thanks with a grateful heart. There's two parts of that song or of, the, of that line. When you think about the Lord... It's another great song, right? When you think about the Lord and what he's done for you. When you you think about where you were when he found you. When you think about what your destiny was if you hadn't changed direction. When you think about the cross of Calvary. When you think about the stripes that were on his back, when you think about the nails in his hands and in his feet, when you think about the salvation that he's provided, when you think about the healing that he's provided, the power that he gives us through the Holy Spirit, when you think about the empty tomb, when you think about how good the Lord is and all the things he's done in your life, you quickly and correctly realize that you didn't deserve any of it. That you didn't earn any of it. And that realization should help you develop an attitude of gratitude in your heart. But I'm here to tell you today, that's not enough. It's not enough for you to feel gratitude to God about all the things that he's done. Just like silent praise is no good to anybody. An attitude of gratitude, if you keep it to yourself, doesn't do anybody any good. The song has two parts. If you have a grateful heart, you have to give thanks. Gratitude is expressed through giving. Through giving. That passage said after the prayer of praise and and blessing that Melchizedek prayed over him, Abraham gave. He gave Melchizedek a tithe, a tenth of all he had just just taken, the spoils of war that he had just acquired. He He gave some of that to the representative of the one who gave him that victory. Abraham was overwhelmed with gratitude. You go running out on a battlefield against four kings with 318 men and you live to tell about it, you better be grateful. You better be, you either in the will of God or you are real dumb, right? So he was like, thank you, Lord, I made it out alive, right? So he's a little, I got all this stuff. Let me just give to the one who just prayed that blessing over me, the one who represents God on this earth. Let me give, give thanks as a result of all this gratitude that I have in my life. There's a lot of ways to talk about tithing and giving. Some of them are manipulative, right? Anybody ever been to church? Anybody want to say amen with me? There's a lot of ways to manipulate that conversation. A lot of those conversations are exploitive. 
There are some that are punitive, some that are legalistic. This is my favorite way to talk about giving. Giving isn't out of obligation. That's 2 Corinthians 7. It's not out of obligation. It's not out of fear of reprisal. If you don't, giving isn't about investing in some sort of cosmic stock market scheme where you're guaranteed some sort of uh, exorbitant return. At its essence, giving into the kingdom of God is about gratitude. Abraham was grateful for deliverance. He was grateful for strength. He was grateful for power and wisdom and favor and understanding. He was grateful that he lived. Y'all ever wake up and go, I can't believe I'm still alive. I can't believe after all the dumb stuff I've done, I'm still breathing. He was grateful. And because of his gratitude, he gave. It just felt like the right thing to do with his gratitude. His internal feeling of gratitude caused his external giving of thanks. So listen, this morning, if you're struggling with tithing and giving, if you're struggling with like, what's the rules and what are the expectations? Let me make it simple for you. Has God blessed you? Right? Has God blessed you? Has he given you more than you ever expected him to and blessed you with more than you deserved? Are you grateful to God for that blessing? And if the answer to those questions is yes, then give. Gratitude is what you feel. Giving is what you do about it. Gratitude's an attitude, but thanks has to be given. And it's not, it's not just about money. Here's another example. Maybe you've got a spouse or a close friend or relative that's, that's truly a blessing to you. Anybody have anybody in your life that you're like, I love you. <laughs> I just, I don't know what I'd do without you. Like you show up every time I need you. You don't complain. You're just there. I don't want to do life without you. All the things, right? And you just have such gratitude for them. Let me ask you this. How are they going to know that if you don't give thanks for them and to them? You're like, oh, I thank God for them. Well, did you tell them that? <laughs> Valerie, I thank God for you. Well, you could tell me every once in a while, right? How, how are they going to know? How are they going benefit, to benefit from your gratitude if you don't give them your thanks? That's all I'm saying. Take the gratitude and give it away. Give thanks. So if somebody's special in your life, listen, y'all ain't got to be besties. Like if somebody does something for you in the moment, give them a compliment. Give them some praise. Give them some attention. Give some people some of your time. If they've blessed you to the point that you're grateful, then, that, then be a blessing to them by giving them thanks. That's why it's called thanksgiving. It has to be given away. Abraham was grateful, so he gave. So in this season of gratitude, be sure to give your thanks generously to everybody around. You're like, John, I don't have a lot of money. This is free. 
saying thank you, looking somebody in the eye, shaking their hand is free. And it means more than any amount of money that you'll ever have. Now, there's one more area in this passage that I'd like to circle back to. We've already talked about it, but I didn't just skip it. I want to come back to it. When Melchizedek met Abraham, um, he immediately offered him bread and wine. Now, in the natural, we already talked about it. That was a symbol of, of peace and friendship. It was symbolic of, of uh, it was more than just peace and friendship. It was symbolic of a, of a covenant relationship. But, but it wasn't just symbolic of that relationship between two human beings 4,000 years ago. It represented the body and the blood of Jesus Christ. I told you that in a lot of these Old Testament passages that we've been reading, um, there are types and shadows of Christ. This one is one of the more obvious. It's pretty easy to see. In New Testament terms, when Melchizedek and Abraham got together, they had communion together. Even though Christ wouldn't walk the earth for another 2,000 years from that point. John, what does this have to do with Thanksgiving? Well, I, I talk about this almost, almost every year since I learned it, like, I don't know, seven or eight years ago. Uh, but it just blesses me every time I think about it. And I just want to tell you all about it just in case some of you all didn't know either. In, in many more traditional churches, like Episcopal churches, Catholic churches, uh, Lutheran churches, churches we call liturgical churches, uh, the bread and the wine is not called communion. They don't say we're going to have communion. They say we're going to share the Eucharist. The Eucharist. Um, Eucharist, I didn't know that. I was, grew up in a little country Baptist church. Right? So it was always communion. I always knew what that was. I had never heard Eucharist before. When I, when I found out what that was, it, it comes from a Greek word. You all ready for this? That mean, literally means thanksgiving. That's what it means. That's why they call it that. It, it means thanksgiving. So for the American believer, let me say it the other way. For a believer that's American, because it needs to be in that order, thanksgiving isn't just about turkey and dressing. It's about the bread and the wine. So we do communion. John, why are we doing communion on thanksgiving? Because at this time of year, maybe more than any other, of all the things to be thankful for, Nothing is more important or more transformative than the broken body and the shed blood of Jesus Christ. That's what this has to do with thanksgiving. And so here's what I'd, I'd like you to do. Corey, if you don't mind coming and playing something. I've asked some of the, the board of, members of the Board of Elders to come uh, and, to, and to serve uh, the elements. So while they come and prepare that, guys, guys and gals, ladies and gentlemen, if you would come on over there to start getting that ready. And for, for the rest of us, y'all don't worry about them. They're just getting these things together. Um, I want us to take some time to reflect and to repent and to pray. Maybe you've just had a, and I've been guilty of this, goodness, maybe you've just had a bad attitude or a selfish outlook. And today you realized, man, I really am blessed. I really am blessed. And I've been blessed by God. Take some time to repent of the pride and the arrogance. You know, I, I didn't intend to share this. Um, Wednesday night, 
I got home from a bus route and Valerie had ordered some food. I was running up to get it and um, hit a deer. It was a really big deer <laughs> in my little Honda Odyssey. Things didn't go well. Um, I think the deer is perfectly fine. The Honda, on the other hand, not so good. And y'all, I was so mad. I, I didn't cuss, so you're welcome. Um, but man, I was so mad. If y'all follow the little prayer schedule that I, I gave y'all a few weeks, a few months ago, whatever, Wednesday's the day you pray about finances. <laughs> so I pray about my finances in the morning, in the afternoon, I run into a deer. Um, I, I was not amused. I did not, the irony was not funny. Um, and I was just mad. But I was alive. And you hear every, you hear every year stories about deer that, uh, cars hitting deer and, and the driver doesn't make it or they get hurt or they come through the, the deer comes through the windshield or all kinds of craziness happens. And I, I promise you this thing looked like a giraffe coming across the road, man. I don't know how big it was, but it, it was huge. Um, at least it seemed that way at the time. Sometimes you got to get over yourself. Right? Sometimes you got to quit being so proud and arrogant and go, I have been blessed. I don't necessarily like how all this turned out, but I have been blessed by God and I got to quit being such a brat and say, Thank you, Lord. And so the Lord had to hit me upside the head. I'm glad He didn't do it with the deer um, to, to help me realize sometimes we can just get bad attitudes about the things that happen in our lives. And if we'll get over ourselves and if we'll stop and we'll look around, we'll realize that even in the worst of times, God has still blessed us. And so if, that's, if you have to do like I did this week and have to repent for having a bad attitude and be grateful to God, do that right now. Do that right now. Maybe you're grateful for all that God's done and for all the other people have done, but you've just not been good at saying thank you. I want you to start making a mental list of the people that you need to say thank you to today for the big things and the little things. Your gratitude should overflow into giving. Maybe you've been struggling with, uh, with tithes and, and, and giving, tithing and giving, and maybe you've never even thought about it. But today you realize it's the natural and the healthy thing to do from a grateful heart. Then I want to challenge you to give as the Lord leads you to. I haven't received the offering today. I didn't forget. I think it's the natural response to the goodness of God in our lives. So the giving boxes are at the back. You can give on your way out. If you want to give electronically, they'll put that slide on the screen at the end. If, it's, if giving electronically is more convenient for you. I just want you to be obedient this morning. Now, here's the most important thing. You either have a, relation, a surrendered relationship with Jesus or you don't. Okay? I'm kind of a gray area guy. I, that's where I live. I'm not a totally black and white dude, but I'm telling you, there's only two ways about this. You either got a relationship with Jesus or you don't. If you don't, or if you're not sure, then, then this is the time right now to surrender your life to Him. Accept His sacrifice on the cross. Admit that you're a sinner and that the only way you can be forgiven of your sins is through the sacrifice of Jesus Christ on the cross for you. 
you repent of your sins and you determine in your heart that you're not going to live that lifestyle anymore. Ask Him to cleanse you, to give you a new heart, to give you a second chance and, or confirm to you that you've been saved. If you do have a relationship with Jesus, if you are saved, then I want you to take this time to ask the Holy Spirit to search you and see if there's any sin in your life that you haven't repented of. Sometimes we have what the Bible calls secret sins. There's stuff going on that we didn't even realize we were doing. Ask Him to reveal that so you can repent of that. We're about to take communion. We need to take this time to reflect, to repent, and to pray. I want you to do that. They're going to serve the elements in just a minute. Y'all give me just like one minute. Let's, let's have just a few minutes of silence, a few moments of silence here to start talking with the Holy Spirit about what it is you need to do next. And then they'll come and start serving the elements. If you want to come to this altar and pray, you need somebody to pray with you, we'll be happy to do that as well. So let's just take a minute and hear what the Lord's saying to us. Then they'll start to serve. We pray that you have been blessed and inspired by today's Covenant Living broadcast. To find out more information about our ministry, just visit our website at www.covenantlifewestga.org. You can find this video there on our homepage. Just click the YouTube button and make sure you subscribe to our YouTube channel. Give us a call at 770-537-3747. That's 770-537-3747. At Covenant Life, our mission is to go and make disciples by being real, relational, and reaching. Be sure to join us next week for more Covenant Living with Pastor John Butler.